What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The Art of Charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Hey guys, it's time for Fan Mail Friday, where I'll be answering your questions and dropping some knowledge and feedback to help you kick the weekend off right. If you're new to the Art of Charm podcast, this is not a great place to start. Most of our content is much more in-depth and longer format, so check out the best of at theartofcharm.com slash best or the fundamentals toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of body language and nonverbal communication, attraction, negotiation, networking, etc., and everything else that we teach here at The Art of Charm. All right, let's cut to it. First of all, I want to say a massive thank you to everybody who sent in their cane slash walking stick resources for our friend High Maintenance Mike. He really appreciates it. You know, a guy in his late 20s doesn't want to walk with one of those old people canes with like the you know foam rubber handle i mean it's just you know massive crampage of the style so thanks to everybody who wrote in on that that's really cool uh actually daniel says hey jordan one man's opinion this tim sykes guy recent show is probably part of the scam how does short selling a scam penny stock bet against the scam doesn't his buying activity and the purchases made by his followers help pump the phase Tim Sykes has developed a follower base he can point to scams and help the pump. That's how it works, and that's probably why he's made so much money. And now he's perhaps conned you to recruit from your fan base. It's a theory. Regardless, there are many more honorable ways for your listeners to invest. Lastly, he seems really passionate, even angry about penny stock scams. Why? He's successful now. He's angry to relate to his followers. Again, probably. And rather than telling them to steer clear of the scams, he's literally finding a way to reframe why they should pay money into the scam. Very clever. I would advise anyone interested to consider this side and require closure to this argument before continuing down that path. Also, much like we're advised to research CEOs of penny stock companies, I recommend researching Tim Sykes. Some of his YouTube videos raise a little red flags for me, but that's my personal experience. I think, Dan, you, you may be right, but I think you missed the point. He shorts the stocks, and sure, you'd lose money some of the time, but I don't think he's part of the scam directly, especially as he's often giving out details of the scam to his fans, like the CEO's phone numbers and the details, and exposing how the scams work in a way that's more transparent. Now, I do think that you might have a point. You know, if, if you're investing in this as a long-term strategy, it's definitely not the greatest way to do this. Tim Sykes makes money doing that. I thought the story was interesting, I thought the scam aspect was interesting. The human element of any scam is very interesting and really relates to what we talk about on the show. I'm definitely not endorsing penny stock scams, obviously, and I'm not endorsing shorting them. I think if you want to do that, that's something that you can do for fun as a day trade type of hobby. But I think you better know your stuff as a financial professional before you do anything with money. That said, I don't think Tim Sykes is a scammer uh, in terms of getting people to help pump 
the pump and dub scams. I think it's it's clear from some of what he's done, at least the research that I did before the show, that he's not actually trying to get people to invest in a way that they're going to lose their money. But you know what? Again, this is for the story for the show. That's just my two cents. But again, I think you know, you're know you well to do research, but maybe miss the point in that this is simply something that I thought was a great story. And I think Tim's an interesting guy. All right, Mike says, Hey, Jordan, I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts and using the information I get to look at myself and make some course corrections. But recently I looked at my life and discovered I've been a people pleaser. Then I listened to several podcasts about networking and adding value without expecting anything in return. This seems like conflicting qualities. How can I stop being a people pleaser but add value to relationships that I'm trying to foster in my business without being a pleaser? Well, I think I understand where you're coming from. But you're still seeing this problem through people pleaser eyes. When you network and you add value to other people, and and you said this yourself, you're not doing it wanting a return. When you're a people pleaser, you're actually doing things for people specifically to get a return. You might think you're not, but really you want people to like you, you want people to give you love in a relationship or whatever. When you're actually giving value and you're not expecting anything, you actually have to mean it, that's the trick. Sure, you know you'll eventually get some return in some cases, but in people pleaser mode, you're doing things because you want a specific return from a specific person. Does that make sense? So you can give value to a ton of other people. That's part of adding value in a network, adding value in a relationship. But if I'm doing this value add because I really want her to like me, if I'm driving her to the airport because I want her to like me, that's not adding value to a business connection or adding value to a friend because they're your friend or because you want your network to be strong, you're doing this because secretly deep down, you want her to see that you're the one, you're the guy, you know, that there's there's a big difference here and it's all about your internal mindset. Uh, and it doesn't really matter to the outside person. That's why being a people pleaser looks like adding value on its face and the problem is then you get really angry when these things aren't reciprocated, but people who add value don't keep score. People who are people pleasers, admit it, you're keeping score in your head and you're building resentment, so that's the difference. John wrote in as well, he says, I wanted to let you know I'm loving Fan Mail Friday, great idea. I also wanted to ask a follow-up question to one of your recent points. You said that most people who are doing anything worth talking about are working 70 plus hours a week. This really resonates with me. For years I've worked an aggressive schedule and for being 25 years old, it's resulted in me doing some really cool things in my professional life. But here's the paradox I've run into. I know that AOC highly values the development of social skills and maintaining a healthy social and professional network, which seems to take as much time as my work. Ever since graduating from an AOC bootcamp, my social competencies have significantly improved, but building an awesome social network seems to be mutually exclusive with regularly putting in the time to build an awesome career. I know you've been successful in both and was curious if you had any advice on the topic. I do, but I'm actually the worst at this because I don't believe in work-life balance. You heard me, I don't believe in work-life balance. My Chinese teachers always ask me about hobbies and I always say work. It's different for me. My girlfriend does force me to take breaks and do stuff and it helps me perform better. So here's the trick. I try to remember that if I wanna work better, I need to chill. And if you can't get away from work, you need to find a job where you can or where you have so much fun that you don't actually want to or even better, where it's built in for you. So a lot of companies, especially around Silicon Valley, they have things in the office where you can relax. And yes, it's designed to keep you in the office, but it's also designed to keep you sane when they're working you to the bone. They need you to be able to creatively problem solve. They need you to be relaxed in the middle of the day at times that are appropriate for you. You need to be able to get little bits of rest here and there. These things need to add up and these networkers and these mixers and all these things that they do, it's built into the job. 
you need to be able to build this in and also realize, listen, the highest leverage activity that you can do is probably going to be relationship building. So if it comes down to, well, I've got a lot of email, I need to zero out my inbox, or I need to go meet with these high-value individuals and have dinner, choose the dinner. You can always figure out ways to outsource and delegate certain things inside your business. In fact, I'm starting to delegate a lot more these days because I found I just can't catch up while going to the events and speaking at all the events that I'm getting invited to. So you need to look for ways where you can give and always value relationships over grind, although you definitely need to do both. Last but not least, John says, hey Jordan, I've been listening to AOC for a year and I've listened to 100 episodes. Goes on to talk about some of those. He says, I'm writing today to hear your thoughts on the best way to follow my passion. I've gained a lot of knowledge from your podcast. I know that you believe that secondary education is not always the best path to take and instead try to be an assistant to a high performance individual. However, from listening, I know you have your law degree and I'm interested to know how much you think that education has helped you on your path to success. I'm currently in a business program with a year and a half left in my degree, but I'm not sure what I want to do afterwards or how to best utilize that degree. If I'm passionate and driven to succeed in entrepreneurship, do you believe I'd be best served by finishing my degree and accumulating more debt or taking some time off school to focus on building a business? Thanks for all the great podcasts. I'll remain an avid listener. Now listen, I don't think anyone should follow their passion. I've said this before. I don't mean always don't follow your passion. I mean, there's no reason to believe that following your passion will lead to success. Yes, it might mean that your days don't feel like work, but that has nothing to do with your success in following that. And there's all these cliches like, do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That may very well be true, and that's very cool if that works out for you. However, um, you might end up following your passion, never working a day in your life because you live in your mom's basement because your passion is something that you cannot monetize. So you gotta be really careful with that. You, I would say, listen, you know, education has maybe helped me get where I am because I was around smart people for a while. I learned how to think about problems in different ways. Now, would I have gotten that from trying a business, networking with people that were already running them and putting things into action? Yeah, I think I probably would have. Now, would I have been at the same level of maturity? Would I have gone through the ringer in the same way? Maybe not, but bear in mind, I went to a top 10 law school where I was around people, everyone was smarter than me. Right, and so I really had to work to keep up. If you're just going to a regular school, doing a regular thing, I would say there's a good chance that you could learn equal or more by getting paid to make mistakes, working either for someone else in a company, being the assistant to a high-performance individual, or by trying your own hand at your own business. Now, you're in the middle of business school, I can't make decisions for you, but I will say this. We would rather hire somebody that has experience doing something here at AOC than has a business degree. This is not true for most companies. Most companies will look at the paper and train you on the job. So you need to decide what it is you wanna do and you need to talk to your guidance counselor and see, can you go back in three years and finish this or is it gonna be damn near impossible? Or are your credits gonna be invalid? What's the status there? If you think you can take a semester off, work on something, see if it'll scale up, then go for it. But I'll tell you this, it's not gonna take a semester, it's gonna take a while. So you need to be prepared to either go back to school, which is harder than you think, or slug it out and make your business work. If you don't wanna work for a corporation, you don't need that business degree. It's not teaching you anything about real business. And I'll leave it there, because I think at this point, you need to decide what it is that you want to do, and nobody can really help you do that. So thanks for writing in, I really appreciate that. I think this is a really wise question, and one that most people should be asking themselves at a younger age. I know I wish that I had done that. Now, uh, I want to address a quick concern. I got a couple emails about that shampoo that I was talking about, the, the, the one that was the organic hair regrowth thing. Now, 
I don't know if it regrows hair because I haven't really done a clinical test on it. But what I do like is that it left my hair feeling light. I really enjoyed the smell. I thought it was cool. Now, they wouldn't let me do my own read of the copy. They gave me this weird kind of pre-scripted read. And, and you'll notice that that ad is no longer on the show. Before I accept any ad for any product, I do look at Amazon reviews. I talk to people that have used it. I try it out for myself with very, very few exceptions. Maybe in the years past, I've done stuff where I've gone, ugh, you know what, I shouldn't have done that. But now, I absolutely try and vouch for everything. Now, the shampoo product has great Amazon reviews. They sent me a couple free bottles. I tried it, I liked it, I still use it. And they wanted the script, and, and later on, I decided, you know what, this isn't really a good fit for the audience, so you won't hear it anymore on the show. But I wanted to address that, and I wanted to let you guys know that, listen, if I'm talking about something on the show, I'm not shilling, as some people accuse me of doing, I'm actually talking about something that I do use. And whether or not it's a good fit for you is up to you. But I will never advertise something that I think is a blatant scam, a blatant ripoff, uh, blatantly ridiculous, or anything for the amount of money. You guys, what you have to realize is one sale from run, one training product here at AOC pays 10 times the amount that I'm gonna get from an ad. Maybe not quite that much, five times. These ads are money makers. They pay for the hosting of the show, but I would never sell my credibility, not for a million dollars, let alone for 10,000 or so dollars. So know that and enjoy the show. And guys, I really thank you for your questions. Of course, don't forget you can reach me. I'm Jordan at theartofcharm.com. I read everything and I'd love to hear from you. More on AOC at theartofcharm.com. Now have a great week. Get out there and connect and leave everyone better than you found them. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates, all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 
93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years going through endless resumes. Well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com. Thank you.